Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? You're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. My name is Scott, and I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in. It's been an incredible week. If you do not know, this week we did a little bit of an experiment. We're going to do a podcast every day, and we're going to drop the episode somewhere between 6 and 7 p.m. and just see what happens. So far, it has been an incredible response. We've seen our numbers increase in terms of downloads, listen time, the work. So I want to thank our listeners, our supporters, and our readers. Before we dive into all the news today, of course, I always ask if you could just take a moment and give us a five-star review. It helps with a couple different things. Of course, search engine optimization. It helps with our rankings. And it also helps when people are searching for the topics we talk about here on the podcast, find us quicker. So if you take a minute and do that, we'd love for that to happen. The other thing is, if you want to take that next step, you can give us a written review. We've gotten quite a few of them. They've been overwhelmingly positive, and we appreciate hearing from our listeners specifically. Listen, we're at 84, I think 84 right now. We're at 84 reviews. Uh, We want to try to get to about 100. We would love to do that before the end of the year, and we could do that only through your support. So go ahead, give us a five-star review, and if you want to take that extra mile, go ahead and give us a written review as well. Well, I don't want to start off the podcast on a negative note, but I want to celebrate the life of Hobo Jim. That's right. Alaska's darling himself unfortunately passed away on October 5th, just weeks after announcing terminal cancer. And uh, it really was a sad, sad day. And we just appreciate Hobo Jim. I've seen a couple of him, his concerts when I lived down on the Kenai. Uh, He was a staple in Alaska, and we just want to give our thoughts and prayers to his family uh, on his passing from October 5th. Hobo Jim was just an incredible. It was it was great. I mean, he's a staple in Alaska. He really is. So he will be sorely missed. And again, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family during this time. If you want to learn a little bit more about Hobo Jim and his impact on Alaska, you can go to mustreadalaska.com, and we have a great article that Suzanne wrote about him as well. So thank you, Hobo Jim, for your years here in Alaska and the impact you made. You will not be forgotten. Uh, Moving on to some interesting news. A lot of what we've been talking about when it comes to COVID-19 and more specifically in Anchorage about the masking mandate or the masking law, whatever you want to term it, is about COVID cases in the accelerant in this specific time period in August till now. There has been an uptick in COVID cases. And so thus, policy is now being derived from that. And as we've been talking about frequently on this podcast, that dives into the new AO 2021-91, or the Municipality of Anchorage Masking Mandate or Law. That was introduced by Meg Zalatel and, and also Pete Peterson. And what it has been doing is it has been driving a lot of conversation about COVID, specifically in the hospitals, specifically, honestly, about masks, but also the divide between the two continues to grow. And as we've been talking a lot about this, what I have seen is this. 
All of this surrounds and is brought on by the total number of cases per day and the seven-day average that is working throughout Alaska. Now, what we've noticed is over the last week or so, there has been a downturn in cases. And of course, a lot of things go into that, a lot of factors, including how fastly cases can be turned, the daily, the daily numbers are, are sometimes um, numbers that are coming through a couple days later because of processing and admin stuff and all of that. So there's a lot of factors that go into what number comes out every day of cases that have been confirmed in Alaska. But what we do know is this, there is a decrease in what's going on in terms of daily cases and the seven-day average. You could go to mustreadalaska.com, and it's under the title, COVID Stats in Alaska Drop Again. I'm going to read from this article Suzanne wrote. For the week of September 23rd through the 29th, there were 8,425 positive COVID test results in the state. Now, if you remember yesterday, I went through all of these numbers. So if it sounds familiar, it's because it is. We went through these numbers. But again, there's a lot of conversation that needs to be had about what the long-term ramification is of a decreasing COVID uh, daily count and seven-day average, because this is driving policy. So to continue, for the week of September 23rd to the 29th, there was 8,425 positive COVID test results in the state. For September 30th through October 6th, there was 5,745 positives, a drop of 32%. There are currently 180 people in Alaska hospitals with COVID, down from 184, so a drop of four, on Wednesday, and 194 on Tuesday, from a 7% drop in COVID hospitalizations in two days. But 21 new cases of COVID hospitalization have been logged since October 1st. So what we're seeing is this. There's been a little bit of an uptick in increasing hospitalizations for COVID, but a 32% decrease in positive tests throughout the state. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to have to really look at how, we, how we're going to project policy here on out. I think what this has happened is a couple things. Number one is this is really opening the eyes as to what drives policy period around the country, but specifically here in Alaska. It really does. We need to think about this. Policy driven by reaction is not great policy. Of course, we've never been in a pandemic. But what we have seen is we have seen the results and we have seen data as to spikes and how they work. And so right now what we're seeing in Anchorage specifically because this new ordinance is being proposed as a full-on masking mandate, is that we're seeing a spike in decrease before the mandate has even been implemented. Now, what does this look like long-term? Well, the projections are is that it's probably going to decrease and steadily get lower and lower. And that, what I mean, is the seven-day average as well as the daily COVID positives. So what does that look like? Well, there's a couple things. Listen, I'm not telling you I have all the answers. I'm certainly not saying that. But it does bring up some interesting points. Number one is, how do we handle policy? How do we handle policy? Because remember, back when the mayor race was happening in Anchorage, we did have a mass mandate. We had a very strict mass mandate with very strict rules. And what ended up happening? Well, for political expediency in terms of a, a positive political outlook for Mr. Dunbar, 
all of a sudden that masking mandate went away. And what was said was, if you remember correctly, what was said was, we've realized this has hurt businesses, so we're going to remove it. Now, keep in mind, for months, businesses had been pleading with the assembly to say, listen, we can't keep doing this. You're killing businesses. As a matter of fact, I believe there was a list with tombstones of businesses that were put out because of this masking mandate, because of the lockdowns and the shutdowns and all of that. So when we say like, hey, this has, we have seen the arc of this, it has played out over and over again. So back in March, when all of a sudden the assembly had a turn of heart because the pleas of the businesses in Anchorage were finally heard, it was too late. The damage had been done. And frankly, I think a lot of people realized, oh, this is just being used as a political tool to help give Forrest some momentum in the mayor race. Because at that point, I believe the people on the Forrest campaign side noticed and were seeing the fact that people were pushing away from that campaign and moving towards Bronson. Those in the purple saw Bronson's campaign as a real legitimate um, option for them because of the policies that were being created by the left-leaning assembly. So all of a sudden, magically, oh, no, no, we don't need a mask mandate anymore. We're going to shut it down immediately. And, I mean, it almost happened overnight. And now, fast forward, six, seven months now, we're in October, and we're seeing another mask mandate being put into place. At the same time, we're seeing a spike and now a drop. Now, are we out of the clear? No. 800-plus positives a day is not great. But the question remains, how are we making policy and is it effective? Now, the reason why the assembly is saying that they're creating this mass mandate, and it's said over again, is because the Bronson administration will not, will not mandatorily mask the municipality residents. He, Bronson has said he will not do that. Now, what are we looking at? Well, we're looking at an AO 2021-91 masking mandate that has gone through the arc of this process at the same time the arc of this covid quote outbreak is now decreasing steadily we'd said the numbers right now from september 30th through october 6th we have seen a 32 percent drop in positive cases we've seen that drop more than likely that will continue Will we see little bumps here and there? Sure, absolutely. But more than likely, we're going to see that continue. And so the idea is this. We re- this, is, this is putting a, a massive spotlight on policy creation. It is. And so the question will be, what will happen if when the time comes, the assembly votes, and we've gone through this process before. I've told you guys, I, I really believe this is what's going to happen. The assembly is going to go through all the testimony. Eventually, they'll vote on it. They'll vote to pass it, even though the daily cases will be decreasing steadily. It'll hit the mayor's office. He'll veto it. And then it's going to go back for a supermajority. Now, I told you there's some interesting uh, converging storylines happening at once. Number one is the recall of Meg Zeldel. What's going to happen there? Is the assembly going to fill that Like, is that seat going to be filled or is it going to be left vacant? What happens with the supermajority? How is that all going to play out? 
is John Weddleton going to come into this 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 decision and be a large factor? And he has been steadily opposed to mass mandates for a long time. As a matter of fact, if you've watched the testimony, many times he's the one that's asking, hey, if we put in this uh, particular exemption, would you be okay with a masking mandate? Which, by the way, if you think about it, after all the questions that were asked by him about these exemptions, I don't know why we have a mask mandate anyways. Seems to be that uh, we are trying to at least, and I say we in the general sense of the word, we're trying to make it look like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do whatever we can for our constituents to make their life easier. But at the end of the day, probably the easiest thing to do would be to just drop this masking mandate, period. But we're going to make all the exemptions in the world. We're going to have now, it's not just a couple sports, it's every sport that doesn't have to wear a mask. It's not just um, certain groups, it's all fitness groups don't have to wear a mask. It, it, it's becoming a little bit of a joke, and, and it's going to become a caricature of itself real quick, which will then beg the question, as the decreasing COVID case counts and the seven-day average decreases, and the fact that all these exemptions are being made, and the fact that this doesn't look like it's going to be a politically uh, successful maneuver by those who are up for uh, the assembly seats, and there's quite a few of them, many of them left-leaning, the only one that's not, and it's a mo- she's a moderate. I would consider her more on the right side of uh, the middle. But Crystal Kennedy in Eagle River is the only moderate slash left of center that is going to be up uh, in April. And she's not even running again. Somebody else is going to have to fill that seat from Eagle River. So there's a lot of things at play here. And my question really is this. How, have we, how would you rate the assembly's policy-making process in this whole thing. I'm really curious. What I'd love for you to do is if it's on YouTube or if you listen on YouTube or on Facebook or you're listening through the Apple uh, podcast or wherever you are, go onto Facebook. In the comments section underneath this podcast, I want to know what you think in terms of how would you grade the municipality's policy-making process from 1 to 10, 1 being awful, 10 being the best it could ever be. I'm really curious. I know this is a little bit of red meat to wolves, so I guarantee you the majority of them is going to be on the lower end. But I'm curious, what would you say the policymaking process and and how this has all come down, what would you grade the assembly? All of them. What would you grade them? Because I'm curious. This is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. What's really interesting is the fact that uh, along with this new ordinance, there is language in there, and we've talked about this before, language in there that really pits vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals against one another. Uh, it's, not, it's not explicit, it's implicit, and a lot of the, the language that's being used in this, this new ordinance. And, uh, and what we're seeing is this divide happening in America, period, but we're going to use the local level and some things that have happened nationally. On Must Read Alaska, we have a ICU nurse who who wrote an an op-ed for Must Read Alaska that was pretty convicting. It really was convicting. Among many things, the nurse describes the plight she was in when deciding whether or not to take the vaccine, how she really was not given the opportunity to make that decision because it was taken away from her by the mandates at the hospital this person works at. Not only that, 
this individual goes into detail about how nurses and healthcare professionals are already creating biases towards vaccinated or unvaccinated people. It's a compelling read. I would suggest you go and read it. You can find it under mustreadalaska.com. The heading is ICU nurse. Let's stop demeaning unvaccinated Alaskans. And if you're unfamiliar, here's what's going on. And it's not just in Alaska. This is a nationwide issue right now. There is a schism happening between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And it's only going to get worse. And we're now seeing it play out in some very disturbing and uncomfortable ways. And one of those ways is from the University of Colorado Hospital, who denied a transplant and is denying transplants to unvaccinated patients. It is a sad state of affairs that's going on right now. Let me read you a little bit. We have an article on mustreadalaska.com under University of Colorado Hospital now denies transplants to unvaccinated patients. Quote from the story, the University of Colorado's transplant center in Aurora, Colorado, is now denying organ transplants to patients who have not been vaccinated for COVID-19. The hospital says that patients who receive transplants are more likely to die if they get COVID. Colorado State Rep. Tim Geithner put the transplant center in the spotlight when he announced it denied a kidney transplant to a Colorado woman because she was unvaccinated and released the letter she received from the center. I can't say the woman's name, but she's from Colorado Springs, had been on the waiting list for a kidney when she received a notification that she was taken off the list by the UC Health Transplant Center at its Anschutz and Schultz Medical Campus on September 28th. The letter said, and I quote, The transplant team at University of Colorado Hospital has determined that it is necessary to place you inactive on the waiting list. This is the transplant list. You will be inactivated on the list for noncompliance by not receiving the COVID vaccine. You will have 30 days to begin the vaccination series. If your decision is to refuse COVID vaccination, you will be removed from the kidney transplant list. You will continue to accrue waiting time, but you will not receive a kidney offer while listed inactive. Essentially, you'll be on the list, and the time on the list, if you don't know, on the transplant list, they look at many factors, including time on a transplant list as part of the, you know, as part of who receives a transplant. Now, I guess part of that is, are you vaccinated? Once you complete the COVID vaccination series, you will be reactivated on the kidney transplant list pending any other changes in your health condition. So what you have right now is you have hospitals determining whether or not you'll receive a kidney transplant, regardless of time on list, based on vaccination only. Essentially, all other factors don't matter. The only factor that matters is if you're vaccinated or you're unvaccinated. This is scary stuff, people. This is scary stuff. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in the podcast with something labeled uh, the vax versus unvaccinated uh, divide continues or grows or something like that. And essentially what we were seeing, and this was based, listen, this was based off a couple of different things. One was just the temperature of the nation, the temperature, what I've seen on social media, the things I've seen on the news. And one of the biggest factors I use in propagating that information 
in that episode was the language used in the new ordinance that was, again, AO 2021-91, the masking mandate or law for the municipality of Anchorage. The language in there was disturbing to me because what it was doing is it was literally, literally dividing people logistically. It was. It was frightening, the language in there, because what it was doing, it was promulgating privileges for one in, for one group and not another. And now, as this has played out, and as we're starting to see a lot of this conversation and a lot of actions nationwide showing favoritism to one group, the vaccinated group, versus the unvaccinated group. And it is only intensified. And so now you're starting to see a division of individuals. And it's scary. It's very, very scary. And so the question is, obviously the question is, where does it end? Where does it end? Because this is only going to get worse. People who are unvaccinated are going to feel pitted against against those who are vaccinated. And we're seeing that all around the nation now. And it's frightening. It is truly frightening. And I mean, you can see it in the ICU nurse op-ed that we have on Must Read Alaska. It really is scary. And I say scary in this sense. We are going to now divide people on another thing that we don't need to divide people on. I always thought this was a personal choice. I thought medical decisions, and I've been told this by the left for years now. I've been told this by the left for years. My body, my choice has been the anthem. That doesn't seem to be the case. And let me pull out a, a quote from the op-ed by the ICU nurse that's, that's concerning to me. She says, I quote, I'm assuming it's a she. I, I think, I, I actually don't even know. I worked with a nurse who said, this is from the article, I worked with a nurse who said if they had two patients and one was vaccinated and one was not, they would go in the unvaccinated room first. Period. Appalling, period. And it is appalling. I'm just totally confused. Again, logic to me seems to be out the window. All the medical professionals, particularly here in Anchorage, have been forced, nurses, doctors, anybody working at the hospital, to get vaccinated or they lose their job. They're wearing masks. I've been told that vaccination and mask wearing are enough to mitigate any possibility of getting the disease, the virus. And yet now we're saying that unvaccinated people are the problem. And listen, I don't want to hear the immunocompromised. I would say there's probably more immunocompromised people at the hospital than out. That's, I mean, that's where they'd be, right? But that, that use, that terminology, particularly with those, that seems to be the red heron. That seems to be, that is on the ends of the curve, the immunocompromised are on the ends of the curve. We do need to be careful with them, those people that have a compromised immune system. But that is not the normal. That is on the ends of the curve. 
And to use that as the excuse is appalling to me because it's, it's not the rule, it's the exception. And I'm, I'm missing the logic in this. I really am. I'm missing the logic because the vaccinations were supposed to be it. Now it's the vaccinations plus a booster. And I'm not against vaccinations. If Listen, if, if you want to get vaccinated, absolutely, 100% support that decision. 100%. But again, it's a one-way ticket. The, the street goes one way. There is... And, and for years, again, the logic, for years, my body, my choice. Stay, stay out of my doctors and my decision. I've heard that from the left for years. And now that's changed, I hear silence. As a matter of fact, I hear the exact opposite. I hear the exact opposite. You should do this. Government should mandate what you should do with your body. It does not matter. Now, I'd love to have this conversation with somebody because I know right now if you're listening to this and you wholeheartedly disagree with me, you feel like you have everything to back up because you know the issue from which I'm talking about. But my friend, I would love to have that conversation with you because I don't think you have the logical way out that you, you think you do. But that's fine. And again, you're entitled to your opinion. The problem is, is when your opinion becomes law, right? And something else I've been told, separation of church and state. So just because you practice this faith and this faith says this, that shouldn't be in law. That's what I've been told. Listen, I've heard it all, guys. And the logic seems to stop now. Now we've done an about face. Sort of. Sort of. And the irony is this, is that we are so, when I say we, those who come to me with this, those in a particular party or on the far left side that come to me with this, then go to another rally supporting women's health, as they call it. I'm just confused here. I just want somebody to break this down logically for me. I really do. Now, if you go to the ordinance, AO 2021-91, what you're going to see is in section four on page five, and I said this to you before, and the language in this bothered me. Section four on page five, item F. Fully vaccinated employees working in a separate room from the public and, get ready, unvaccinated co-workers are exempt from wearing a mask. Gets better. Employers wishing to utilize this exemption must verify the employee's vaccination status, i.e. vaccination passport, right? In a manner consistent with workplace anti-discrimination laws. Folks, that is the biggest oxymoron I've ever seen in my life. But the language is there. How do you do so, in a manner that is consistent with workplace anti-discrimination laws, when you're clearly discriminating based on vaccination status. Come on, man. Like, again, the logic to me is just not there. It's not there. And I'm willing to listen. But I have not heard a compelling argument. What I've heard is a lot of logistical gymnastics 
to make it seem like your argument is logical and based on fact. But much like our our leading expert in this, who continually baffles back and forth, masks work, masks don't work, get the vaccination. Oh, those who are unvaccinated but have had COVID have a higher immunity. Oh, you need the booster shot plus the vaccinations to be fully vaccinated. Apparently, the science is always changing, weekly now. And yet I'm still sitting here going, what's the logic? My background is in science. I've got a degree in chemistry and biology. By all means, I'm all for scientific method. I get it. But I have not seen the logic. I have not seen the logic in it. And it bothers me. Because policy is being made, and I don't see logic in any of it. I don't. What I see is the politicization of this topic. And thus, here we are. But you know what else I see? I see a further divide coming. I'm telling you. I told this to you weeks ago when I read the language, and I just read it now. Page 5, Section 4. The ordinance does not apply to the following categories of people or activities. We're already categorizing people. And thus, Section F, sorry, Section 4, Item F, fully vaccinated employees working in a separate room from the public and unvaccinated coworkers. Employers wishing to utilize this. So if you want to utilize this, you better have a way to know who's vaccinated and unvaccinated, which means that card, but you got to do so in a way that doesn't discriminate. Come on. Where's the logic? That's all I'm asking for. Don't bullcrap me. It smells. And thus is the problem. Thus we have the University of Colorado Hospital denying unvaccinated patients who have been on a list. I don't know how long this person was on the list. The ability to get a kidney because they're unvaccinated. People, wake up. There is a divide happening and it's only going to grow. And this ICU nurse is hearing it from her coworkers or his coworkers, who, whoever wrote this. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And all I'm asking for is a bit of sanity and logic. And I know I'm asking too much. And thus, here we are. So the only array around this is obviously, like I tell everybody before, elections. Vote, vote. Support the candidate you want to support so that you can have the policies you want to see. And that's still tried and true. All right, everybody. Well, my ranting's up. It's up. Listen, we've had a great week. Tomorrow's our last daily podcast. We're going we're gonna to kind of reevaluate to see how everything's going. I mean, we've seen positive, positive results from this. You guys have been incredible. Listen, if you love what we're doing and you want to help support this even more, get the content out. I, I'm a guy that wants to tell you the facts but also wants to give you my commentary because I'm telling you, I feel like I'm in Crazyville right now. I really do. I feel like I'm in Crazyville. Why can't we have a logical conversation? The idea of having conversations is now over. The divide in America seems to be growing. But you know what? I want to bring us together. I would not mind. I asked Forrest, come on to the podcast. Let's have a conversation about your campaign. I, that, that's open-ended to anybody. I want to have the conversation. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
But listen, we can't we can't abandon logic and reason for madness. I mean, that's how cultures devolve. And I'm not wanting to do that. We live in the greatest country ever. And I want to see this country continue to flourish. And it starts locally. Listen, if you like what we're doing, again, you can support us by going to mustreadalaska.com. Up at the top right, hit that donation button. Every bit counts. We survive on the donations of our supporters, our listeners, and our readers. And if you haven't, you should go check us out on Facebook, Parler, Twitter, YouTube, MeWe, Rumble, all under the guise and handle of Must Read Alaska, one word. Listen, I appreciate you being with me this week. Hopefully, you got some entertainment, you got some fun, you got some knowledge, and you've got some empowerment to change your community. Until next time, take care.